project and new series that we're calling The Call to Worship. The Call to Worship. You see, Paul is bringing us to a point in which we gather as a church and we as a church have an opportunity to worship our God and God instructs us in those things. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful God makes everything clear. Aren't you thankful that God makes everything clear? I'm so thankful that we look at his word and as we see his word, that he teaches everything that we need to know in the Christian life. And I'm thankful for that. The Bible's an inexhaustible book. It's perfect. It's inerrant. Every word is right. And as we believe that, let's get to work here this morning. As we get to work, I want to speak on a subject that I've titled, Designed Places in Worship. Designed Places in Worship. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 2 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Notice what the Holy Spirit says. Oh, go ahead and stand out of respect to the reading of the Word of God. Sorry, I had you sit for a moment. Wanted to get, uh, relay and introduce this new series. And now let's stand here together this day out of the respect of God's Word. Holy Spirit says, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is is the man and the head of christ is god every man praying or prophesying having his head covered dishonoreth his head but every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head for that is even all one as if she were shaven for if the woman be not covered let her also be shorn but if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven let her be covered for a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without, uh, neither is the, nevertheless, to me, Neither is the man without the woman, neither the man, or neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. God, I want to thank you for your wisdom and for your word this morning. And God, as we look at the word of God, I pray that you would guide, lead, and direct us. Teach us this morning. God, I pray that you would help us, please, to be open and receptive to your word. God, we believe your word. And I pray that you would help us this morning to see what you have wisely given and wisely stated and how you have given us purpose and shown us how we can fit together as a church the designed places you have for all people to worship you. And I pray that you would guide, lead, and direct us in truth and in wisdom this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. 
Years ago, when I was a teenager, I worked for a newspaper company. And I delivered newspapers as a teenager, about 12, 13 years of age. And I would ride my bike and I would go around delivering papers, of course, in the morning. Sometimes when it was cold, like mornings like this, uh, my mother would graciously and mercifully uh, drive me around in the car and I would have an opportunity to throw it out the van window and uh, to try to get them on the different porches and things around and that's what I did for a long time and as I did so I would of course receive money uh, I would be get paid for that this was in the time and where I grew up uh, northwest Ohio we would deliver the paper and then we would come around once a month or every every couple of weeks depending on the customer and collect the money and you always wanted to make sure that the paper was where they wanted it because if it was where they wanted it sometimes they would give you a tip and that's exciting amen when you're expecting just maybe a couple of dollars and suddenly they give you a five or christmas time maybe even a 10 or i even had one customer who'd give me a 20 and uh, it was exciting you gave you that, in, that extra incentive to make sure it was right where they want it didn't get it all there all the time sometimes you would go up on the roof and you think oops i better go do something else and i better get the extra and throw the extra out uh, but you tried the best to get it right where they wanted it and right where it needed to be. And I did so because I had a motive. I had this job because I wanted some funds. One of the purposes for those funds was I wanted to build my own computer. This was back in the day when all computers were not just simply bought, put together. You built your own my dad had an electronics company and he built computers and so i wanted and desired to build my own computer this was back when windows 386 you remember those days uh that's way way back ago on uh, windows 95 on uh, windows 98 i'm ashamed to say that i owned a windows computer but you know all, all of us need to get right with god at some point in our lives uh <laughs> Uh, I'm getting some looks. I, w I, w I won't look certain directions at this time, but uh, in Christian love, amen. But I had I put together this computer. I wanted to make sure that I had the best motherboard that I could buy, the best monitor, keyboard, mouse, hard drive. At that time, you know, 512 megabytes was a huge hard drive. You know, now we have 512 gigabytes, you know, and all these things. And I wanted to make sure that it was high because I wanted to play some computer games and to do the different things with it that I could. And so I worked for a long time to purchase it. Finally, the day came when all the pieces came together. I had the tower. I had the motherboard. I had all the graphics cards that I need. And I was excited. But, you know, there was a proper place for each one of those components. I didn't plug the keyboard into where the video card should be and expect it to work i didn't try to use the monitor as a keyboard because back then there was no touchscreens. i didn't try to put the mouse where the hard drive was supposed to be why because everything had a purpose everything had a design place and you put those things in the proper places and it would work being windows sometimes but uh uh <laughs> I love you, brother. Uh, but uh, <laughs> conditional, right? But uh, it, w it would work, and I enjoyed putting those things together. But there was a design place. There was a design purpose for it all. 
You know, God has a design and a purpose for everything. This week, uh, Harley and John were in working on labeling tracks and John and Romans and such. And Harley and I were talking about a bee and how incredible it is that a bee actually flies. You think about it. It's not supposed to fly. Science doesn't still today know exactly how a bee can fly because it shouldn't. It doesn't make sense aerodynamically that it even gets off the ground, and yet it does. Do you know a bee has specific parts? Its legs are designed to grab that pollen. Its stinger is there to protect the hive from intruders or invaders. The eyes show, of course, what is around the bee and helps the bee to navigate. Every part is important, and everything is in its place for the bee to thrive, to survive, and, of course, for the hive to grow. The bee doesn't use its wings as a mouth. It doesn't work. It's not what its purpose is. The legs don't replace the wings. It doesn't get up one morning and say, you know what, I'm not going to fly around with my wings today. I'm going to use my, wi- my, my legs instead. It doesn't work real well. It might jump a short distance, but that's all it's going to do. It's not going to fly. The stinger doesn't pump uh, its blood through its body. It has a heart, of course, that does that. The lungs isn't what the bee uses to sting. It all has different parts, and it all has different things that come together to make it to be the amazing insect that it is. God has a purpose, and He has a plan. He has a specific design for you and I, and I'm thankful He does. He, as the designer, knows what's best. We don't walk around on our ears and listen with our feet. (laughs) We listen with our ears and walk on our feet. I'm thankful God has a purpose and a design and a place. You know, God has a perfect place and design for everything. That not only includes his creation, all things in which we see, the trees, the life, but also for all things that he has started. You know, God designed a family, and I'm thankful he did. I'm thankful that he providentially and perfectly designed a family as it should be. He designed government. He is the the process behind our government system. He is not only the designer of family and government, but he's also the designer of the church. In Matthew 16, the Bible teaches us that God started, Jesus Christ himself started the church. And so if he has a design for the family, if he has a design for all the uh, the government systems and all of creation, he also has a design for the church. And God here teaches us that God is a God of order. The Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 40, let all things be done decently and in order. Paul reminded the church, amongst a church that was working through chaos, that God has designed it that things should be done in order, decently and in order. So you see, God has a purpose and a plan for each vital part of the family, of government, and of the church. The church is 
truly a design of God. And God helps us to see through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit His designed workings for the local church. I'm thankful God gives us clarity in worship. Look at our text this morning in verse number 2. Notice how Paul begins this portion of Scripture. Now I praise you, brethren, again, addressing the church, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. Paul here begins with praise. He says, I am so glad. I am so happy. He said, I am thrilled. I praise you that you are remembering what I've taught you on how to function as a church. And one of the things that I want to praise you for is the wonderful commitment to keeping the ordinances. What are the ordinances? Well, the Bible speaks of two ordinances within the local church. The one being shortly after one gets saved, and that is baptism. Baptism is a way to show God has saved us outwardly. It's a symbol. It doesn't save anyone, but it truly demonstrates outwardly the inward decision that I have trusted in Christ as my Savior. And because I've been saved, I identify with God through the death, burial, and resurrection, which is what baptism by immersion pictures, that I identify with Jesus Christ who has saved my soul. And thank God for that privilege that we have to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Paul was praising the church that they were following the ordinance of God by baptizing and teaching baptism. Secondly, he was praising them for partaking of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper, of course, is a time in which we remember the shed blood and a broken body of Christ. And that's an important and a private and a very reverential time. And we try to keep it very reverentially here and try to keep it a very sober time because we are remembering the death of our Savior and the price in which he paid for us. The Lord's Supper is a vital component, is a vital part of the local New Testament church. It is part of the ordinances that God instructs us. And Paul says, as you worship together, he says, you have done well. He says, you have kept those ordinances. You're baptizing those who have come to know Christ as Savior. You're practicing the Lord's Supper. He says, that's an incredible thing. He says, and as a church together, we can have and follow the design that God has for a church to do what? He's already already prefaced it. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse number 31. Notice how Paul states, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, notice this statement, do all to the glory of God. Have you ever wondered how can we as a church show glory to God? That word glory there speaks of beauty and majesty. God, Paul says we are to show the beauty and the glory of God in everything that we do. In other words, we are to follow God and to glorify Him. 
But have you ever stepped back and thought, how do I do that? How do I glorify him? How do I show the beauty of his majesty? How do I show how wonderful, majestic, and how awesome my God is? How do I do this? You know, the Bible teaches us on how we can do so. The Bible shows us and teaches us how we, as a church, can worship God and glorify Him as God as we worship Him. The Bible teaches us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16, that God has given us every word to show us what He desires. Notice what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration speaks of breathing. In other words, God breathed. It says God has breathed. God has spoken all Scripture. In other words, all Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is all given by God. God has spoken all of it. He's breathed it. He has given it. And notice how He has given it. He has spoken it and look how he has recorded it. In 2 Peter chapter 1, look at verse number 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. In other words, men did, men did not simply uh, come up one night and say, you know what, here's a good thought that I'm going to write down, and uh, this is what I want to write. No, 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 it didn't come by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved, by the Holy Ghost. So what happened? God spoke it, and God used men as an instrument, as a writing instrument, to give us the Word of God. God spoke it, and men were used as a pen, as a tool, to simply to record what God had said. And God promised to preserve it, and of course, we have it today, and we're thankful today that we have it in the authorized version this morning for English-speaking people. God has given it. God has preserved it. And God relays to us how we can follow Him and give glory to Him in every area, including the local church. So as a church... We have an opportunity this morning to glorify God by giving Him the honor, the respect to His words and following His design. So as I follow His word and as I follow what He has instructed, it gives glory to Him. He is letting me know through Paul, through the inspiration in 1 Corinthians 11, how I can worship our God in a way in which He has designed. So how did he design it? How did God design the local church to work? Notice what the Bible teaches us about the knowledge of headship. The knowledge of headship. What do we mean by that? Let's look at what the Bible says in our text this morning. Look at verse number three, please. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. The Bible teaches us that there is a head. The head of the church is Christ Jesus. He is not only the head of the church, but he's the head of every man. Every man. What does that word head mean? What is that referring to? 
It is speaking by virtue of the fact that he is God. Absolutely and eternally. He takes priority and preeminence over the headship vested in the man. The man is, an, is answerable for his actions ultimately and inescapably to Christ. Every man will give an answer to the Lord personally and also for your family and also for the church. I will give an answer to the Lord for what has taken place at SBC. I will stand before God and give him an answer. Every man will give an answer to the Lord for what has happened in the local New Testament church as well as our home and personally as well. It's a sobering thought, is it not? But it reminds us of the seriousness of the local church. That we do not follow our own desires and wishes because if we did, we would get ourselves in trouble. But if we follow the Lord and we follow Christ as our Lord, He leads and guides and directs. And as I follow and submit to Him, I'm just simply following what God says. It's wonderful knowing when you're following the Lord and following Christ. Notice what the Bible says, continuing in verse number 3. And the head of the woman is the man. Just as the man is answerable to Christ, by that same token, the Bible teaches us the woman is answerable to the man. Let me just clear the air here from what this is not speaking of male superiority or male inferiority. In fact, we'll look at it here probably next week. I don't think we're going to get to it this week. But next week we will probably look at, or we'll, we'll look at that thought of how liberating this is in this day and culture for the women to rally and to worship Christ together. It was very restrictive in this culture and paul was literally letting the opportunity for women to serve in the church in areas in which they had not had the privilege to do so before and it was an opportunity for people to see how the designed order of the church is in you see god has a natural design a simple design and the natural fact is is that god set the role of the men to lead and for the women to truly to support and to encourage. It is a role in society. God gives that, society, that role in society in the home and in the church. It's God's order in this. And any attempt that we make at trying to break down or reverse that leads into what? A breakdown of society, a breakdown of the church, a breakdown of the family. And it leads into chaos. It truly does. My boys like to play video games. There are times where on those video games it says you need to press A. What if they looked and said, you know what, I don't want to press A, I want to hit B. Well, they could hit B and hit B and hit B and hit B and hit B. It's not going to do what they want it to do unless they press A. You can try to change the order, but it doesn't mean it's going to bring the desired result. 
if you want to proceed, if you want to go forward, you must press the designed order of buttons. You know, God is the God of design and order, as we spoke of. We could try to push a different button, but it's not going to bring the same result, the desired result. God had a desired plan and a desired result, and that is following his order. But watch how he continues in verse 3. Paul states something that I know I could almost feel the internet glaring down on me right now. <laughs> I know this isn't a popular message right now. I understand that. But it's God's designed order. There's no way of interpreting the word of God any different than how we've interpreted this morning. It's clear. But watch how Paul says this. And the head of Christ is God. You know, somehow we get the idea that just because God designed an order in the home and in the church, that it makes one less than the other. And that's not the case at all. Because the Bible says, and the head of God or Christ is God. Did you know that the word of God teaches us that God himself has order in himself? Look at what the Bible teaches us in Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse number 7. The Bible teaches us that Christ himself, God himself, submitted or was subordinate to his Father. It was a voluntary subordination to his Father. Notice what the Bible says. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Jesus Christ chose to be subordinate or submissive to God the Father. Did that make Jesus Christ any less God? Verse number six, look at it. Philippians 2. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Did the submission and the subordinate spirit that Christ demonstrated to his Father make him any less God? No. He was still all God. He is completely and fully God. And God, fully God, chose to submit himself to his Father. What an incredible thought that is. You know, there is no reason God, Christ looked and said, you know, I'm getting the raw end of the deal here. He didn't say that, and I'm trying to say that as respectful as possible, and I'm not trying to take away uh, from the crucifixion or what he paid for, but he did not look at it as in a moment of, oh, this is a bad deal on my end. In fact, much different. Look at what the Bible says in John chapter 8. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 29. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. Jesus Christ said, when I submit myself to the order in which God the Father has designated, I do it because it pleases him. He says, I submit, I bring my subordination to my Father because it pleases my Father. You know, God has a purpose and a plan. God has a designed purpose. It doesn't make one less than the other. It says God has a designed position, a designed place for us to serve in a family and in the local church. 
What an incredible thing it is that God teaches us down to the instruction of the roles in which a man and a woman can play in a local church. What does this do? This truly opens up our hearts in an incredible way and helps us to know where and how we can serve and the designed order in which God desires us to serve. I remember when my wife and I traveled, uh, we would travel to church after church raising uh, an income so we could come and pastor here. And as we traveled, we would come to churches that would do what we would normally do for missions months or missions conferences. And we would have, um, and we normally have a meal and we host our missionaries and we set up and tear down. And of course, with our, uh, with our facilities here, there's a lot of transition and we'll set up tables and enjoy a banquet. And uh, we have all the transitional times of working and serving, repairing food and making sure all things are put together. You know, there were times where we would come into a church and they'd be doing just like we do. They would be having a meal and they'd be setting up a room or setting up a, maybe, a, uh, maybe a gymnasium or maybe even the hall like ours. And they would be doing and serving and busy. And we would come in as the guest. And as we would come in as the guest, we would see the flurry of activity and our heart wants to serve, our heart wants to help. We've been sitting in a vehicle for hours and hours and hours. We're ready to stretch our legs and we're ready to get out and to do something. And we see all the work that is happening. And we want to fit in. We want to find our place. And we'll find the pastor. We'll find the uh, one who is leading that activity and say, well, how can we serve? How can we help? And so often they would want to do like we tell our missionaries so often. We're here to serve you. We want to be a help to you. We know that you've been busy and traveling and such, and we just want you to rest. We just want you just to enjoy the time. Don't worry about a thing. Just enjoy the time here, and uh, let us take care of all of that. I understand the spirit. I understand the heart, and I appreciate that heart and that spirit. However, as someone who has been sitting in the car, I'm ready to stretch my legs, and I'm ready to do a little bit of work. I'm ready to move some tables, to move some chairs. And there are times where we would be ushered to just a corner of the, uh, uh, of the room and uh, all the activity happening. We almost feel like the spare tire in the boot of a car. Just that fifth wheel. What am I, I know what I'm here for, but I feel like I should be doing something. I want to do something. I didn't feel like I fully fit. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe you're starting a new job and everyone has their designed places and everyone knows what their routines are. and You're standing there like, uh, someone tell me what to do. I'm here to work. What is it that I should be doing? How can I work? How can I serve? How can I help? And sometimes we feel out of place. You know, that could happen even in a church. And God was saying, I want you to know how you can fit in. I want you to know how you can serve. Thank God, God is careful and loving and kind to help us to know how we can fit, how we can fit in the designed order he has for the local church. This teaches us our position. You know, all of us here are triune beings. What does that mean? That means we're one person, 
But we have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. All are equally important. So often in our society today, the body is taking the preeminence at the cost of the soul and the spirit. Thank God, as, as my wife said a moment ago, that the priority or the benefit of the spirit was displayed and yea, encouraged and even up, upheld recently that we can meet together because it's important. The spirit is vitally important, just like the body is. But watch this. Us, as a triune being, submit within ourselves all the time. When you're hungry, when you're tired, what does your soul do? Your soul, which makes you you, you, decides, you know what? I'm going to go eat. Here's what I would like to have. My body is telling me that I want to eat, and so I'm going to go eat. I'm going to eat what I would like for dinner, for breakfast. I'm tired. Here's where I'm going to nap. Glory to God. Nothing like a Sunday afternoon Baptist nap. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> if I'm tired, I want to go lay down on my bed. I want to go lay down on the couch whatever, or sofa, whatever it might be. Our soul dictates and watch. Our body tells us the need and our soul submits and then our body submits to our soul and gives us direction. Then the Spirit comes in and says, you need to read the Bible. That means it needs to influence and my soul needs to submit to that time of reading God's Word. My body has to submit to my soul and to my spirit to pick up God's Word and to read it, and to read it not just simply with glazed eyes, but to read it with an attention and with a heart that is looking for what God has for me that day. We submit internally all the time. Does that make my spirit any less important than my body? No. Does it make my body any less important than my soul? No. They're all equally important, and God says you have a designed order and a place that constantly submits even within ourselves. God has a designed order and place to submit even inside the church. Does that make women less important than men? No, it does not. Does it make Christ less important than man? No, no, no. All the Bible teaches is God saying, I have a designed order for the church, and these work together to further the gospel of Christ. And God has a designed order for these things to play a vital role that are necessary for organization and for things to happen in a decent and orderly way. Does that make sense this morning? Am I, am, I hope I'm not boring you, but uh, I want us to see the truth of the Word of God here this morning. It's vital that we understand the order in which God has. Now, wow, we have gone through way too much time here. Someone's talking too long. I don't know who it is. <laughs> Secondly, look at what the Bible tells us <laughs> about the display of headship. Notice what the Bible says quickly in verse number four. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. The Bible here is teaching about a culture that was going against what God desired. In the time of when Paul was writing this, it was very common 
for the Jewish believers to wear a head covering while praying or prophesying or preaching or teaching. It was a head covering that, yea, still is even worn today, a head covering called the yamolka. Am I, am I pronouncing that right, Brother Steve? I believe I am. Yamolka? Is that right? Okay, good. Aren't you impressed? Uh, and so it was this head covering, and we've seen it, where it was put on the top of the head. And that was designed for the Jews in their interpretation. That was not what God desired to show a respect of God. Paul contradicted that directly. He, contra- he, he, he truly, the Holy Spirit, was directly in opposition of this and said when a man is leading the service, is praying, is having a part in the teaching and preaching, that his head should not be covered. Shouldn't be wearing a hat, a ball cap, a hat of some type while he's teaching and preaching the word of God. That's what the Bible tells us, not to wear a covering. Some of us have an even easier time of lack of covering than others. I won't say any names, but there are times as, I, as, as I'm singing that there is a bright sun that just shines right here. <laughs> I'm just, love you, Brother Stu. I'm just getting into trouble today, am I not? It's just one of those days. <laughs> you know, the Bible teaches us that when we are, as, uh, that men are teaching or preaching, praying we ought not to wear a hat a covering something that would go on of course on our heads we should do so clearly and again this is to show honor it's to show respect it's showing a clearness between god and man it's what god intended it's what god desired and just as a man shows submission to god to christ by having his head uncovered. The Bible teaches us that a woman displays her submission or her position in the local church in a different way. Notice what the Bible says in verse number five. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. The Bible teaches us that when a woman takes a public part in a church service, that she must cover her head in order to honor the position and to honor her place that God has designed in the uh, the church. Just as a man honors Christ by having his head uncovered, a woman honors the position and honors the man by covering her head to demonstrate the spiritual leadership that God has designed in the local church. It's a symbol, a symbol of submission and subordination, of truly a witness that she wants to play the function in a public capacity that has been given to her under the authority of the leadership of the church under the man, uh, under the man leadership. For example, my wife, is given a role of in music ministry, the public part. She's given that because her pastor, which happens to also be her husband, has given her that authority, has given her that position. And there's reasons for that. There's wisdom in, in that, many ways. And because of that, 
she shows honor or respect by, hair, by wearing her hair long. Notice what the Bible tells us in verse number 15. The Bible teaches what the covering is. The Bible says, but if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. So the Bible teaches us that the covering is for, the, or the covering that a lady is speaking of or wearing is her hair. The long hair demonstrates a submission or a subordination to the position in which God is given. This does not truly mean that a uh, mean women cannot have a part in a public ministry, but rather shows how a woman can do so, showing honor to the design in which God has given to the local church. The Bible teaches much about women having a public part in the ministry of the church. The Bible speaks about Philip, an evangelist, who had four daughters that taught in ministry. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 21, notice what the Bible says in verse number 8. The Bible says, And the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him, and the same had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. So the Bible speaks of women playing a part of the local church. And that is important for us to understand that as we think about the ministry of a local church, it is not wrong for a woman uh, to have certain roles in the church. Now, the teaching and preaching ministry of the church, the Bible teaches us, it should be a man, a husband of one wife. And the Bible gives instruction to that in Timothy. But as we had this morning, testimonies where women and men gave testimonies, what is that? That is exactly what the Bible is speaking of there. Is it wrong for a woman to give testimony? No, it's not. Is it wrong for a woman to thank God for what she has done in a part of a public service? Absolutely not. But what should the teaching and preaching of the church be primarily done from? And truly in the public ministry in which men and women are a part of it, it should be done through the male leadership of the church. And that's what the Bible speaks of and guides and directs our hearts and lives into. You see, God wants and desires worship to be done orderly. And apparently in the church in Corinth, there was some chaos that was beginning because there were some women that were rising up and saying, hey, I want a public role, and that was usurping the role of the male authority there. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse number 34, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience as also with the law. Again, it's not speaking of inferiority, it's speaking of position. Equal position, but the position in which the public ministry should be, should be through the male leadership in which God it gives. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit uh, taught Timothy that women are, in verse number 11, let the women learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. 
For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Nevertheless, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, in charity, and holiness with sobriety. Again, Paul is teaching about the role, the guidance of how a church should be organized. The male leadership should be leading the church, again, because that is God's design. The Bible speaks of a husband and wife who taught a gifted preacher. The Bible speaks of a man by the name of Aquila and his wife Priscilla, who as a husband and wife taught a man named Apollos, who was a gifted orator and a gifted expositor of Scripture. And the Bible tells us that that couple expounded to Apollos the way of God more perfectly. The Bible teaches us that women are vital to the church. Please, ladies, don't take this as a slight at all. This is just God's putting our place in. Saying, here's what God designs. God has designed for the men to lead the church and the women to help support and to encourage in that way. And that's a vital understanding that we have. The Bible teaches us in Titus chapter 2, notice what the Bible says in verse number 3. The age of women likewise, that they may that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. So the Bible speaks of the women teaching the next generation of how to follow the Lord himself. The Bible says in Titus 2, 5, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So the Bible speaks of women teaching the next generation to serve and to grow and to worship together uh, as God has desired. You see, God has a place for these things. God has a position that is scriptural and right. You see, as men teach, men teach the uh, children and teach the next generation how they should respond to God and to God the Father. Man is a picture of God the Father. And how we interact with our children will teach our children how they can have a relationship with God. That's why it's so important, men, for you to have a good relationship with your children because you teach them how they can interact with the or, or, or with God, how they can have a relationship with God. That's why it's important, children, to have a good relationship with your father. You work on that. You strive to have a good relationship there because you will, you will take that relationship and you will impart that to God the Father. If you're here this morning and you are wanting uh, to see God the Father examined, you ought to look at the men of the church and you ought to follow the leadership there and their relationship with God because it is vital. I push my boys to follow the leadership and the men of the church. It's important for them to understand that not only does their father have a walk with God, but these men have a walk with God and you can love and serve God like they love. It's important because the man pictures that relationship. Ladies, you have a wonderful role in that you show how a the next generation, how you can... Uh, or how how the children can have a response to the local church. Ladies, your 
as they see you respond to the church and you respond to what the word of God is taught and uh, taught and given, it teaches your children how they are to respond to the local church. It shows. They take away from that. That's why it's important, ladies, when we see the truth of the word of God, that we accept what God says. Again, he loves men and women equally. God shows no favoritism. He loves all people, loves the world. But as a woman yields to the local church and to the ministry that God has given, it will teach your children how they submit to the local church one day. That is why we are seeing a generation that is so resistant against church. Look at the generation that's 20, 30. Look at how many of them resist the church. Why is that? Because they've seen their mother resist the church. They've seen the mother resist the husband. And that now brings a conflict in their hearts and their lives that says, as much as I have seen my mom resist in those ways, when it comes to God, my reaction should be resist. This is why the home is such under attack right now. This is why it's so vital for us to make sure that our homes are decently in order and that our homes are are a model and designed after God. Because it's a picture, a physical illustration of how we ought to respond to God and how we ought to respond to the church. God designed every Bible church to go forward with the gospel of Christ. But how sad it is that today we fight and we really fight for the truth of, uh, with this next generation and how much we've seen in this generation an ideology that's trying to push B instead of A. And God said, doesn't work. You're trying the wrong order. It's not making things better. It's bringing more chaos into the world. Again, it's God's designed order. We believe God, right? We believe every word, right? This is what the Word of God teaches us. What a wonderful thing it is that God puts things in order. God loves everyone, and He wants all of us to understand how important it is that our positions play. Our positions in the local church are vital. Vital. Oh, they're so important. Don't think it's just a menial thing. It is a vital significance. It is teaching our next generation. Let's look at last verse number five and we'll be done. I've taken more time than I should have this morning. So much to teach here. And uh, it's been good though. I, I, it's, it's exciting, as I said a moment ago, to see how we can fit in our places in the local church. And if we adopt and uh, embrace those, God uses that in such a powerful way. It's incredible. Notice what the Bible says. Last phrase of verse number five. For that is even all one as if she were shaven that word shaven there means to shave with a razor 
doesn't mean just a short haircut, but it means a shave, as in Brother Stu type shave. Amen. You're just a, you're a wonderful picture right now. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but that's what it's speaking of, speaking of that type of a shave. It speaks of something which is, the Bible says, is a shame to that. It's a shame to a woman to have her head shaven in that way. Now, understand that there are some illnesses. My mother-in-law passed away years ago from lymphoma. When she was going through chemotherapy, she lost her hair. That disturbed her. She did not like that. She loved her hair. She loved the long redness of her hair. You wonder where my boys get the red hair? That's where it's from. Both, both our moms have red hair, and it's passed through. She loved it. And so what did she do when she went to church? She had two things. First of all, before she could afford it, she got a hat, some decorative hats, and she had some hats that she would wear to church because, again, to show respect out of 1 Corinthians uh, 11.5, to be covered. Then, when it came time to where she could afford a, uh, a wig, she would wear those, and she had some that she would use and such, and she would put those on, again, to show sign of respect and honor to 1 Corinthians 11.5. I'm not talking about disease. I'm not talking about an illness. I'm talking about 95% of the situations out there. The Bible says that when a woman is shaven, it is a dishonor, it is a shame to her. In World War II, Germans, of course, as they began World War II, went and invaded countries like France and, of course, many other European countries. And, then, and in, this, in these invasions, there were some women who decided to consort and to help the Nazi regime and to help in and aid in that invasion. After the war and the light of some matters like this began to be exposed, the women who were compromised in that way that they helped the Nazi regime invade their own countries were made an example by them being seized and their hair shaven off their head. It was a public display of shame and disgrace. And as we look around societies, it doesn't matter what country you go to, how often do we see the natural habitat, the naturalness of it, of women having long hair and men having short We'll see more into that as we will conclude with this next week. But how important it is for us to, again, show honor to the position in which God has given us. And God tells us how we can do so by the simplicity of our hair or the lack thereof. <laughs> God shows us how we can do so, how we can enjoy and show publicly the display in which God has given us. The Bible teaches us men ought to have short hair. And women ought to have long hair. What an incredible thing it is that God gives us some instruction there on how we can follow and fit in place and how we can demonstrate our submission to the Lord. 
God is incredible. What an awesome thing it is that he has designed places in worship for all of us. We've just followed scripture today, have we not? Have we read anything or added anything to scripture today? By God's grace, we've stayed true to the scripture this morning. We said earlier, we believe God, we believe every word. This is what scripture is teaching us. It's not a shame to follow, or it's not a shame to look at the word of God and to adjust our lives to, may, to match what the word. Matter of fact, that gives glory to God. You know, if we, as we take and as we follow these truths, the Bible tells us it looks and brings beauty and majesty to God. It's paying honor to our creator, the designer and creator of the local church. I'm thankful God gives us clear instruction. I'm glad he teaches us all things, even all the way down to our hair. Sometimes we think, that's a little thing. God says, I'm given instruction in that because all of it is important. God teaches us that. Let's follow his word and follow his instruction and see how we can enjoy the call to worship our God in the way in which he designed.